This podcast is brought to you by Cross Catholic Outreach. Last year, Cross Catholic Outreach provided over 30 million meals to families in need around the world. Join us in our global effort to reduce material and spiritual poverty. Learn more at crosscatholic.org bless. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com. Welcome to the Champions Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rubin and Coach Phil. The podcast where we share stories of faith being activated through sports. Welcome to episode 14 of the Champions Podcast. We are so excited you are joining us. It's been a while since our last episode, and honestly, I have to apologize for that. At the beginning of COVID, I recorded a lot of interviews, but honestly, and with complete transparency, as COVID went on, I found myself in quite a funk. However, praise God, I'm now out of it. And excited to be back into a rhythm, excited to get back into a rhythm where we come out with an episode each week. If this is your first time tuning in, at the Champions Podcast, we interview current and former college and professional athletes and coaches who share their testimony and faith journey with us. Guys, we have a great episode today. We head to the oval track as we interview former NASCAR driver Blake Cook. Blake drove in the truck series, the Xfinity series, and the NASCAR series. He shares his faith journey, his journey to get into racing, and how he started in his new endeavor called Filter Time. Guys, as I, as I said before, this was an interview that was uh, recorded several months ago. And so some of the things that you hear as he starts talking about the virtual racing and stuff like that, uh, that was at the beginning of COVID. Obviously, they've gotten into real racing right now. And so um, I trust that you are going to enjoy the episode and that God is going to uh, receive all the glory of what he has done and how he's been at work in Blake's life. So let's just jump right in. Blake Cook, thank you so much for joining us today. We are blessed and honored to have you on our podcast. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Excited to be on here chatting with you, so thank you. Absolutely. Well, I, I am certain that the pleasure is all ours, and I'm excited to jump into your testimony. But before we get started, I want to prepare our hearts, so are you okay if I open us up in prayer? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord God, and we're just so thankful that in all things we can rejoice that you are good and that you, you work all things for the good of your glory. And I'm so thankful for Blake joining us today and being willing to share his testimony, share what you have done in his life, Lord God. And we are praying expectantly that you are going to use bits and pieces of Blake's testimony 
to impact the lives of our listeners, Lord God, that somebody that's fighting or wrestling with something similar that Blake wrestled with can find hope in how you showed up for Blake and trust that you're the same God for Blake that you are for them. And so if you showed up for Blake and if your word says it, you will do it for that them as well. And so, God, we trust you. We trust that uh, you are going to make your son's name famous. And, God, we just surrender this podcast to you, and we pray all these things in your great mighty name. Amen. Amen. So, Blake, let's just jump right in. I mean, did you grow up in a house where faith, your faith was uh, in important, where your faith was important? You know, uh, it's it's kind of been different throughout my life. Um, when I was a little kid, you know, as far back as I can remember, I believed in God, you know, and had a... Uh, a King James Bible on my, you know, on my dresser and would try to read it. But as a kid, not, don't really understand any of the words or the language, but I would try because I knew that was, you know, a good thing to do. And, and I believed in God and that he loved me, but wasn't really discipled to, didn't, you know, wasn't a member of a church didn't go anywhere consistently. I think my parents just did a good job of making me believe in, in God and, in think back then I would have thought, yeah, my, you know, my parents are Christian. Um, but now when I know my dad's testimony and, and my mom, they, they weren't, um, you know, I think they were the same. They believed, but they didn't live, live a lifestyle of following Jesus. They, you know, we, we didn't pray together at night. We didn't read together at night. So, um, you know, in the early childhood, no, I really didn't grow up in, in like an environment like my kids do where God is the most important thing in our life. I did not grow up in that way. But when I was about 20 years old, um, my dad's life, you know, actually when I was about 16, but you know, testimonies go on for a long time. It started when I was 16 and through now my dad was, was, has a great testimony story and he was saved. And then, you know, he started discipling to me and telling me how important it is to follow Jesus and put him first in my life. And, and that, that really changed me and led me in a different direction. And who knows where I'd be right now if God didn't use my dad to, to reach me and direct me closer to him, you know? So I think it's very crucial to be a, a leader, you know, as a father, be a leader to your kids and, and let them know how important Jesus is. I know it's a long-winded answer for you, but no, that, kind of a mix. Yeah, no, that's you great. Know, so I, I was, but I wasn't. But I was, you know. <laughs> yeah. So when when you were 16, is that when your dad experienced that transformation, or is that when he just shared his story with you? I would say when my dad ex- started experiencing that transformation, I was probably 13, 14-ish. Um, you know, he was actually a Hollywood movie producer, produced some big movies. Uh, Lost in Space was one of them, Black Dog, and, and had everything, you know, you know, you could want all the big houses, cars, money, but he was just lost, you know, wasn't happy. And he was changed. You know, God got a hold of his heart. And to do that, um, God removed everything from his life. It's just all of his finances. He went broke, lost his house, lost his cars, surrendered, and just went on to a life of following Jesus. And it took a lot um, to get all of my dad. And, and, and God needed to strip everything away from him, really, to get his attention. And that's what happened, and that and that process was around when I was a teenager. Uh, I would say by the time I was twenty, 
you know, my dad and I are praying together. Now, now we're, you know, we're both in the word daily and my dad wrote a book, um, a 30 day study guide for men to help men get on track, you know, new believers to know what to do next. Um, so my God, he's my dad in a big way. Um, in that book, you know, he, he wanted, you, you hear about God and you're in church and you hear the, um, the prayer that you accept Jesus in your life and then you leave and, and then what, you know, Absolutely. you get home and you get back to everyday life. And now what do you do? Like if you didn't grow up in a, in a home, in, in a Christian home, how are you supposed to know how to pray? You know, what do you pray for? Who do you pray to? How does it work? So this book, my dad, um, wrote, it's called the first hour for men. And it's basically a 30-day study guide for new believers that tells you, you know, you basically read the entire New Testament in 30 days. So you have things to read, prayers to pray, daily devotions, workout routines, time to spend with your your family, with your kids. Learn more about it at thefirsthour.com. So it's really cool, and, and I'm proud of him. Awesome. That's awesome. So then did you grow up um, – did you grow up kind of in that Hollywood environment and lifestyle to where you were kind of benefiting from the success that he was, you know, you said he had the houses and the cars. And so did you kind of grow up where you just had it all at your fingertips? Um, In a way, uh, my parents got divorced when I was about two years old. So I lived mainly with my mom and my mom was a a single mother uh, working nine to five and, barely getting by, you know, and my dad was living the Hollywood lifestyle with everything. So on the weekends, when I go with my dad, I would get everything I wanted, you know, <laughs> anything and everything I wanted. Um, and I go, you know, to my mom and, you know, she was excited to be able to provide food on the table right. and new school clothes. So, and that was difficult for her to see, but she, gosh, she's such a strong woman and, and, a, and a great mother and I remain friends throughout all these times and my dad always helped my mom when she needed help they they although they got a divorce they were very young she was 20 um and he was 26 they remained you know friends and raised me um together as a team although i spent most of my time with my mom so do you to answer your question like yeah i kind of had anything i wanted but i wasn't spoiled i didn't go into drugs and and um and alcohol and you know have that party and lifestyle like i i didn't i didn't have that hollywood lifestyle as a teenager if that's kind of what you're asking yeah well and and then just kind of seeing you know your dad having all that and then not having all of it obviously as kids you know, especially as sons, I feel like we just grow up and most of the time we just adore our fathers. You know, we, we admire them. And I know my dad, he's my hero. You know what I mean? He set so many examples yeah. in my life. And, um, yeah, I, I, I just look up to him. And then so you see your dad where he's kind of at the top. And now you see him in your formative teenage years where, you, like you said, he now he finds himself without all of that money. And, and now his relationship with God is forming. And so I just can't imagine what that was like and how, I mean, obviously it was impactful for you because that led you to put your, your faith in the Lord. But do you remember how he kind of approached that subject with you of kind of coming alongside you and helping you grow in your faith? You know, I think it just took a, the way he lived and the changes he made and the lifestyle he made and his faith, 
So even though he lost everything, he, he remained, he was faithful in the Lord. He knew God would provide and, and, and he always does. Even if you get down to your last penny, something happened and God would provide. And my dad just had that unshakable faith that, um, that's really worn off on me. And, um, and it's, it's so encouraging to see. So like just the way he lived and the way he kind of changed his life and, uh, just being a good dad and caring about his kids and, and not being worried, you know, um, and everything we did, you know, I would say when I was about, I don't know, probably 20, from 20 years old on anything I did, any decision I had to make, anything I was going on, my dad would say, call me so we can pray, you know? So like wow. everything we relied on God to lead us, guide us and direct us. So, I mean, I'm talking about not going into a race. You know, I used to be a NASCAR driver, so I wouldn't go into a race. One race week without my dad wanting to call me. And he would make it a point, call me before practice so we can pray. Call me before the race so we can pray. Wow. And now that I'm an entrepreneur and I'm going into a business meeting with my company, he'll say, call me so we can pray for your meeting. So it's just, you know, constantly, uh, you know, putting our faith and trust in God that, that we want to be where God wants us to be and has us, you know. That's awesome. And, and and then was there a moment? So obviously you see your dad life your dad's life being transformed and now it starts impacting you and, and, and now you start drawing closer to the Lord. But was there that moment where your faith became real? So now it wasn't just this journey, but now you faced your own test and you faced your own uh opportunity to really see, okay, is this just something I'm saying or is this a way that I'm living? So did you kind of have that come to Jesus aha moment? I did, yeah. Um, it, was, it was really cool to reflect on. But, it, like, you know, throughout my life, I've been a believer. I feel like I was discipled to. My dad helped me uh, grow closer to Christ. But then I was, you know, once I got after college, I'd say 21, 22 years old and, um, going to college, starting to party a little bit, you know, probably drink a little too much here and there, and um, was just kind of getting distant. I wasn't spending time in the Word like I used to, wasn't praying, and kind of growing a little bit distant from God. And almost like I felt like I was trying to control my life. And it was very stressful, you know, when you're in your early 20s and you're trying to figure out what your career's going to be, what your job's going to be, who you're going to marry. Um, there's a lot of things that you can worry about at that age. And I was starting to worry and, and felt distant. And I was actually living with my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, Shannon. And I'll just, I'm just going to be honest with you. I woke up Sunday and I was a little, you know, feeling a little rough. And she's like, we should go to church. My sister's going to church. Uh, we should go. And my wife didn't grow up in the church. This might be her first time ever going is when wow. she told me that we should go. And at that time, I owned a small pressure washing business with my stepdad, and I was making cash. And for me, it was good cash at the time. I was probably making $500 a week cash. And I was just pumped. And that's kind of what I loved <laughs> at that time. I was like, man, like I'm working. I'm getting all this cash. You know, I'm earning it. Yeah, And I was just kind of loving it and holding on to it. And I remember being at church, it was a journey church in Boynton Beach, Florida. And the pastor just talked about trying to live life on your own and, and control it and make your own decisions. And that is a task that you don't want to do. And life is not something you want to tackle on your own. And there's a God that loves us and has a plan for us. And all we have to do is surrender to him 
and we can live this life that we can't even imagine. The plans that God has for you is something you can't even think about. They're so awesome. And I was like, man, that certainly sounds a heck of a lot better than what I'm going through right now. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I'm in. I don't want to, I don't want the pressure. I don't want to control my life. I want, I want to surrender to you, God, take control, make the decisions for me, lead me, guide me, protect me, take my heart. And for whatever reason, when the, when it was time to like give, you know, I was like, man, this is, I was going to grab like a 20 or something and that would have been a lot. Then I was like, ah, you know, I didn't have many bills. I was like, man, this is, this is what I love most. And I'm going to give it to God. I remember reaching my wallet and grabbing all the cash I had and putting in that offering bin. And I don't to this day, I don't know how much cash it was. It didn't matter. I didn't, I didn't want to know. I just wanted to surrender. The thing I was worshiping most at that time was money. And I felt I wanted to give it all to God. And that's what I did in that very moment in church. And that was that, that was that, you know, life changing moment for me where from then on out, got my own Bible, started taking my own notes, going to church weekly with my wife, and then met some great people in a small group. Um, and man, now just, you know, I pay, I've placed my faith in Christ and, and that's the only thing I really think of each day I wake up, it's been the first, uh, for me, it's probably a half hour, but for my dad, it's an hour. You know, the book's called the first hour, but the first <laughs> half hour, just reading and praying and taking notes and being thankful and being prepared for the day. Cause the day is going to be tough. There's going to be things that want to separate you from God. And then you just got to armor up and, and kind of get ready to, to tackle each day. And, uh, and that's what I do. That's what I live by. And, and, um, I know God always provides, always takes care of me. And I try to lead my son and my daughter, and my wife, the same way that my dad led me and just trying to do a good job. Amen. Amen. And, you know, as we talked off air, my full-time job is I'm an area rep for fellowship of Christian athletes. And while getting to know a lot of these high school kids, there's that, there's that tug of, you know, they're developing in their relationship with God, but then there's also that fleshly side of them that, but I have these friends that aren't believers. And when I'm with them, I I tend to act a certain way. And then I act another way when I'm with believers. And so as you began this journey and after you did have that experience in church and you're starting to grow in your relationship with God and you're showing up to church every Sunday and, um, what were those relationships that you previously had before your faith was in the Lord? What were they like and how did you navigate them? Man, I don't remember all that. Well, I I think for the most part, like I always, like when I grew up, I was more of a rules guy. Like, so all my friends knew I believed in God, but I was more, I lived more like by the rules. So like, we could be partying and someone would use the Lord's name in vain. I'd be like, don't say that around me, you know, but yeah. I'm like drinking, like partying. <laughs> so I was like, as long as I don't break the Ten Commandments, I'm good. You know, so that's kind of how I was yeah. before that, that life changing moment when I went to Journey Church. So my friends kind of knew, like, I was, I believed and, but I was just, man, I was just rules based and I wanted those rules to live by and just follow those and those only, you know, so. I don't think anybody was too shocked when I started, you know, changing my life. At that point, I'm in my early 20s, and, uh, and then I asked my asked Shannon to marry me, my, who was my girlfriend at the time, then my fiance, now my wife, and then you, and then I became a NASCAR driver, and I moved to North Carolina. So moved to North Carolina, have a 
a, you know, a different group of friends, but still keep in touch with my friends back in Florida and got connected with some really, really good people up here in North Carolina. And we had a driver's Bible study on race day every morning where about six or seven of us drivers would get together and read together and pray together and then go compete on the racetrack. Um, and I was just able to get plugged in with, with a good group of guys that were on the same mission to, to love the Lord, love people and, um, you know, live a life that points to Christ. That's awesome, and I did definitely want to jump into that to your NASCAR career and kind of how what was what was the origin of that? How early can you look back and say, "Man, I started racing at this age," or you know, it became a part of my life at this age? Yeah, when I, I grew up racing dirt bikes when I was really young, and then I started racing cars when I was twenty. And then I'm the kind of person that's like, if I'm going to do something, I go all in. So I drove a race car for the first time just for fun. And I was like, man, this is awesome. I want to be a NASCAR driver. <laughs> so then I started figuring out, like, how do you become a NASCAR driver? And I just started calling all the teams and asking if I could get an opportunity to drive their car. And after enough phone calls and me bugging enough people, I got one shot to go drive somebody's car. So you I ended dr- up getting in it and performing. And so you drove somebody's car without any real experience or training, except for that one time that you had driven before, and you're like, this is awesome. I drove probably 10 times before I got in a NASCAR. Wow. Um, for the first time. It, it wasn't a national NASCAR. It was a regional series called the NASCAR K&N West Series. So it was more of a regional level. But I got in there, and I um, it was actually for a big team called Richard Childers Racing. Sure. And I got in that car, and I outperformed their the current driver they had at that time who was kind of a big up and coming driver. And I went and out qualified him and ran well, and they knew my lack of experience. And then I was signed to a development deal to, to kind of develop into the next driver. Wow. So growing yeah, up being a NASCAR cool. driver, wasn't the dream. No, my first NASCAR race I ever watched was 2007. <laughs> and this time when I'm telling you that I drove that one, that opportunity to drive a NASCAR was in 2008. So, wow. like, the first time I ever watched a race was 07. So, it was just, you know, I just wanted to do it. I drove it. I loved it. And I went for it. And, uh, you know, it just happened. God must have really wanted it for me because I know the way your reaction is, geez, that sounds like a miracle. Like, <laughs> it was. You know? <laughs> it doesn't happen. That's not normal. That's not normal. So, I, what was that journey like? What was that experience like? I mean, like you said, you kind of, uh, you know, you, you, you had a job that was making decent money at the time. You get married. You uproot and move to North Carolina where uh, you're embarking on this new career or kind of away from family. What was that experience like? Well, uh, you know, I, I'd love to think it was all unicorns and rainbows and fantastic, but I'm sure there were bumps and hurdles and obstacles along the way. <laughs> oh, gosh, man. It it was such a journey. You know, got engaged to my wife when I was 20. I think we got married, got married at 24, moved to North Carolina, moved her away from her family. Um, to pursue racing, to be a NASCAR driver. We moved there, got a one-bedroom apartment, Cornelius, and I was just going to do whatever it takes to, took to make it. And I ended up getting a hot, getting hired uh, to do an Xfinity Series, um, yeah, to race in the Xfinity Series in 2011. So I did that whole year, and that kind of got me in the door. And things were looking good and promising. And then 2012 came, and I signed with a new race team, and I had a pretty big sponsor, and then after the first race, my sponsor pulled out, and I was left with no job, no sponsors, no opportunities. 
Um, my wife and I just bought our first house. She's pregnant with a kid on the way. And now, now there's nothing, no, no ride, no sponsor, no job. So, you know, what do you do? So I just started figuring out how can I stay relevant in the sport, still make an income for my family or my family that's coming, you know, my wife and now I have a house first time with responsibilities. So I actually got a job driving my my buddy trevor bain who's a nascar driver as well his motorhome so he's like dude you can drive my motorhome i'll pay you <laughs> and we can, we can stay together you can stay with me in it so that's what i did i drove his motorhome to the nascar races for him stayed with him i mean we were buddies same small group um and then did that for a couple months i started spotting um in the in the series for michael mcdowell um, in the cup series so I can make money driving to the track. I had a free place to stay and now I'm getting paid to spot during the race. So it ended up making some good money pulling all these different opportunities together. Um, and then my, then one of my other buddies, Josh wise, he's like, Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it to the race, um, this weekend. And I told them they should put you in the car and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. And I got in there and I ended up, you know, qualifying for the race and that opened up more opportunities and I got hired back on with the team and now I'm back in a ride, you know, and, and back trying to pursue racing. And now I have a job and getting paid, still not, you know, winning or contending to win. You have to be with a pretty big team to, to do that. Um, but at least I had a job and I was back in a race car for a few years was just doing that you know trying to figure out what's the next thing how do you get in a better ride so you can win races and and you, you think you you're about to to break through and get a good ride and you lose your sponsor again or something would happen or a race team would close and and here i'm a, approaching the end of my career right now so 2016 i had a big sponsor come on board and and uh they're like hey we want to start our own race team and like you know how to do it so why don't you help us do it so i started a race team in 2016 for a guy named Matt Colleague and I ended up driving that year and um, ended up making the playoffs and finishing sixth in the championship and uh, and that was kind of my best year. I did one more year in 2017 for him, made the playoffs again, had a good year and then he let me go uh, in the off season. And that's where I'm at now. I, I was like, man, I'm kind of burnt out. You know, I have two <laughs> kids now. I just don't have hustle left in me to go yeah. keep racing i want to be home i don't want to travel like what's next for me you know i felt like i felt all along like i was gonna have one more year like god had me there for one more year but it ended one year before i thought it would and um uh, and that's when i thought of the business that i have now and um and launched it and the timing was perfect and i definitely want to get into that the the business you're doing now but i want to go back a little bit and you know Athletes were competitive. You know what I mean? Like you said, I mean, when you get into something, you want to be all in on it. And so emotionally and mentally, what were those years like kind of being on a yo-yo where you'd have an an opportunity, it would be taken away, opportunity taken away. What was that like on you? Man, by the end of it, I was used to it. And I I still kind of am today. And that's where your, your faith comes in. Like, you know, you hear bad news and you're like, well, thank you, God, for removing me from that situation because mm. clearly you have something better in mind. Yeah. You know, what's next, Lord? You know, you get let go, laid off, an opportunity you sought goes away instantly. Um, and it hasn't always come naturally that I thought this way. 
Um, but you know, I guess with age and, and maturity, spiritual maturity, you know, I'm able to think of this way quicker is, all right, God, what's next? What are you going to do? I know you always provide. I'll always have food to eat and the roof over my head. I believe that. So what's there to really worry about? I have a wife that loves me, kids that love me. And, um, you know, just really place it in God's hands and follow the instincts that he gives me, man. And that's, that's where I really hold on to is, man, I wake up every day and I'm in prayer. I'm reading, I'm praying that God would lead me and guide me and take control of my life. Right. So when I get something that's placed on my mind or in my heart throughout the day, I feel like, I feel like a lot of the times I can discern when it's God speaking to me and, and then I run with it. I go with it. I'm like, all right, all right, God, let's do it. You know, <laughs> either make that phone call or reach out to that person. And it gives me the confidence to never be afraid to ask. You know, I'm never afraid to ask somebody, um, whether it's to be a business partner or for an opportunity. If my intentions are right and I feel like it's from the Lord, I should never be afraid to ask. Amen. Because who cares what the answer is, right? Absolutely. It's not up to me. I'm just following where God's leading me. So Absolutely. That's kind of what I live on. Well, and, you know, I— and I'm. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I kind of, I get a little bit um, ADD down on you too. So I might take your questions and, and, and ramble on about something else. So I hope I, I hope I stayed on track there. Oh, you, please ramble all you want. You're doing fantastic. You're absolutely <laughs> crushing it. And so, but what I wanted to say was, man, that, that's one of the things that, you know, obviously most of the people listening to this probably aren't NASCAR drivers, but you're um, the, the discipline of getting in the word and spending time with God every single day allowed you to be in that mental state when those opportunities were taken or presented that, like you said, you were able to find joy in it as much joy as you can, knowing that, okay, God, you must be taking me out of this situation for a reason. You know, I I, I think when we have those moments where there's like, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I've had seasons where I'll get in the word and I'll be doing it every day, every day, every day, every day. And then I'll have a season where I'll have a dry spell. And it's in those dry yeah. spells where my my mental frame isn't where yours is. Now I'm not seeing it through that filter and that lens like, okay, God is in control. I see it as, oh, no, what's happening? And so I guess all that to say because of your discipline and because of your willingness and, and uh, to get in the word every day, it allowed you to be in that mindset to see – all right, God, you're you're ultimately in control, and I think all of our listeners, regardless of your occupation, uh, can take from that. You know, and and I thought, uh, yeah, and I can I can relate to that a lot, man, because I, I get in those dry spells too. Um, it used to happen more frequently than it does now, but it's like, all right, you're 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 reading the Bible, you're reading a devotional, you're praying, but now you're just not like you're not feeling it. Like, <laughs> man, I'm just I'm just reading and not feeling it. And then next thing you know, like the next day, you're like, ah, you know, I'll sleep in a little bit. And next thing you know, you're like, gosh, you know, what am I doing? What's changed? <laughs> and then you start dissecting your life. And it's like, well, am I, am I listening to enough Christian radio? Am I listening to these Christian podcasts? Am I, am I working for it? Like, I feel like I, I feel like it takes effort to put your mind in, in the right place to, it takes effort to want to have that mentality in that connection with Jesus. And, and it takes work and effort. It doesn't take work and effort to be saved, but to feel that way, to have those instincts and that joy and that peace, 
that takes effort, and yeah. that's reading, I believe, reading yeah. and studying and praying. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, was and that's it... when I will be like, I'll go get a new journal, <laughs> or like a new, like a new. I'm excited to have a new notebook to write in, and then I'll just something to excite me to get back in, yes. you know, and um, or something life changing will happen. I mean, life changes quick. Look what's yeah. going on right now with the coronavirus. I mean. Uh, there's so many times where you feel like you feel like you're getting a little distant, but you'll you'll get reeled back in real quick. Absolutely. Now, was was it the same experience for your wife? Because you know, I, I sometimes it's it's you know we do have coaches that listen to this, and so uh, you know I, I think a lot of times as coaches or as the athlete, you're so immersed in what you're trying to do, the everyday of you trying to get that sponsorship, get that uh, next ride, or, or whatever it was, and the wives are at home and they're parenting the children and not that you weren't, not that you weren't, but that's where Mm -hmm. their central focus is. And while you're gone on the weekends and they're at home. So was it the same kind of experience for her where her, her trust and her faith was in the Lord. So it wasn't that difficult or was it a tough season for her to navigate through? You know, I think it's a very tough season. There was life changes that went on for her. You know, for one, I've, pulled her away from her family, moved her to North Carolina. And I'm out traveling, going to races, speaking at churches, getting, you know, being around people, being filled up around other believers and having these life-changing moments when she's at home, you know, and and not experiencing those and then hearing me talk about it but not feeling it. Um, And then for a long time, she wasn't a Christian. She, even when I, even when we, it was before we moved to North Carolina. She she gave her life to Christ, but there was a long time there where I was very outspoken about being a Christian, and she wasn't into it yet. She she didn't hear about God until we went to church th- those um, in our early twenties when it was her idea. She didn't know anything about it, um, and she's not the type of person that's just going to do something because everybody's doing it and it sounds good. Like she's. She can be a little stubborn, and she knows that I tell her so if she hears this. But she can be a little stubborn. So it's funny that she actually came to one of the events I was speaking at, one of the church events I was speaking at with Michael McDowell. And Michael and I are just talking, and um, and the pastor ends up you know, saying the prayer for people to accept Jesus in their life. And, and whatever was said that day— by Michael or myself or the pastor or, or just God speaking to her in a unique way, she surrendered that day and she wanted to accept Jesus in her life. And that was, I think that was in like September, 2011 ish. And then, and then it was, you know, then she experienced changes being in small groups and she has her women's Bible studies and being plugged in. And, and there's at times where I, I get worried and she's like, Hey, what are you worried about? Like God's got us, you know? And I'm, and I'm like, Oh yeah, thank you. Because uh, I can forget too, so um, you know she's definitely you know there's a hard point in our in our life too when she was the only one was no kids you know all of our friends are having kids and we don't have any kids and every you know if I go out of town she has to go hang out with these other moms and they just have kids and she feels out of place um, you know so those were some difficult times I feel like the Lord was working in in that time wow. and um, and now you know we for nine years we were in NASCAR and she was, you know, her husband was a NASCAR driver. We went to a lot of events. All of our friends were racers. Now, you know, 
being able to fit in with those same friends is a little different. Yeah. You know, if you go to an event, you're not, you know, a driver's wife is what they call it. I mean, you're, <laughs> you're, it's different, you know, and she, whether it, whether people think it's different or not, she feels different. So I feel like there's definitely, um, life changing, you know, moments going on with her right now and, and kind of feeling, finding her place and feeling her calling. Um, it's definitely to be a mom. She's a great mom. Uh, loves our kids and right now being stuck home with with our kids doing this homeschooling thing like it is god is testing her right now i'm sure (laughs) (laughs) so but for me like how do i support that man i mean i know like right now like she's i just go home and love my wife Mm. like we don't argue and this might even not sound real but if she is mad at me for some reason, like I just go home and apologize and hug her and love her. And I don't get mad at her for, we just don't get mad at each other. We're in it together. We don't fight. Um, we don't blame each other. We're on the same page as far as how we discipline our kids. We don't override each other. We're really, um, on the same team and are, are there to support and love each other. And, um, it's the best marriage I could have ever asked for. Mm, praise God. Praise God. Well, I'm sure your experience as a NASCAR driver opened up a lot of really cool opportunities. You know, we talk about one of the things that we talk about through FCA is just the platform that athletes and coaches have, especially to share the gospel. And so is there an opportunity that stands out to you more so than others where it was just a really cool platform for you to just witness to people? Yeah, I mean – So you never know what comes out of the big events, right? Some of my favorite events are speaking at those Promise Keepers events. I don't know if you know what Promise Keepers is, but, um, you know, there used to be these huge auditoriums with men that come together, their men's conferences, and being able to go there and share my story and talk about what God's done in my life and then meet meet the the men afterward and hear their story and pray together and just, just something cool about, uh, a bunch of men showing up and, and going there to worship God and love God and putting your guard down. It was just something I really love to do. Um, and then I feel like some of the most uh, unique in experiences for me were very uh, on a personal level. I remember I had a, I raced for a, a, a NASCAR team owner back in 2013, I believe. And he asked me, you know, we were an underfunded team, barely able to race, um, you know. But he's like, Blake, you're you're still happy. Like, how do you do this and still smile? Like, th- there's just something about you, and I want that. And I wow. was like, all right, man, well, I can help you with that. Like, <laughs> all you have to do is put God first in your life and rely on him and worship him and put him before everything else. And like, we can pray together and we can accept God in your life right now. If you want to, and he's like, I want to, let's wow. do it. So that was probably the coolest thing ever is right before the race starts. We're in our hauler, like the semi truck and we're in the lounge and I'm praying with my boss, my team owner, um, to accept Jesus into his life. And that was definitely one of the coolest moments I've experienced in NASCAR. Uh, he ended up getting out of the sport, and uh, last I talked to him, happily married, beautiful children, 
still going to church. So it's it really, really cool and something I'll never forget. That must have been the most relaxed race you ever rode. You're like, you know, I just was with somebody who just put their faith in the Lord. The outcome of this race really doesn't matter. Yeah, I know. I know, man. I know. I probably crashed or something. So God was probably showing me, hey, it's not you. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> so as you said, 2018 comes and you're no longer riding. And now you are the owner of a company called Filter Time. Is that correct? Yeah. 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 So tell us kind of about that. Is that. Yeah, I'll be. I mean, I'm still in that, right? So that was two years ago. I actually, you know, when I lost my ride January 9th, uh, 2018, is when I found out I lost my job. It's my wife's birthday. We're at dinner. I found out I lost my job. And it was too late. It was too late. The season's about to start in a month. It's too late to go get another ride, another sponsor. And I was like, man, God, what do you, what do you, what's going on? What do you have next for me? And um, I got a notebook, and I started writing down different ideas and business ideas and what I could do. And I was in a good situation. I, I saved I saved up some money in racing. We kept our bills very moderate, and I was in a good position to figure out what I want to do next. And so I'm starting to write down all these ideas, and and I went. And after about three weeks, I went to the store with the Lowe's to go buy air filters for my house. And I ended up spending a couple hundred bucks on a bunch of other stuff. And I was like, <laughs> man, and I pulled in my, down my road, and I was like, I forgot the air filter. Like, I forgot air filters. The whole reason I went there, <laughs> spent a few hundred bucks on stuff I didn't need, and I forgot air filters the whole reason I went there. And I was like, man, it'd be so much easier if these things were just like, the, you have to change them at the same time every time. And, like, it would be so much easier if they just showed up at my door automatically, and I knew it was time to change them, but never have to remember the size, scroll through that picture in my phone to find my filter sizes, and remember when I changed them last. Like, that would be so nice. And I wrote down my notebook. I was like, air filters auto ship. And I was like, ah, I don't know. That might work. And then, you know, later that night, I was like, man, that's it. So I started doing my research. And uh, I found out I could buy the air filters and, and build a website, and all my fans would love it. You know, they all have air filters. They still want to support me somehow. Um, I could launch this business, and my fans would support it, and I'd have an instant foundation of a company. And um, and that's what I did, man. So I, I thought of the name Filter Time. I felt like that was the perfect name. It's, it's time to change your filters. It's dinner time. You know, it's it's dinner time when dinner's on the table. It's filter time when it's time to change your filters. So, like filter time it just made sense and i ended up getting that domain uh name and the uh, trademarked and all that stuff and starting the business and learning about business is very new to me i've never really started a business like this before finding out how to ship them where to get boxes who to make the filters uh who to build your website how do you collect credit card info how do you keep it safe there's so many things i had to learn you know i probably didn't sleep much for months um, and then I felt like I had everything ready and I was like, man, this is going to be tough. Like a startup, getting people to want to buy filters from me rather than somewhere else, like getting, letting them trust me enough to put their credit card in from my website. Like this is going to be tough. And I started thinking, man, if I could have like a celebrity endorsement or something like where people went there and saw a familiar face and they, they could, they trusted the company and knew it was legit. Like that would help. And I was driving, and I thought of Dale Earnhardt Jr. I was like, man, that guy, 
Like everybody <laughs> loves him. He's the everyday guy. Like you can relate to him. He's just the nicest guy. He's relatable. People love him. Not a bad thing to say about him. He had a DIY show of remodeling a home. He has a production company, a podcast. Like if there's anybody in the world that I could pick to be my partner, that'd be perfect for this. It'd be Dale Earnhardt Jr. And I was like, ah, oh, he would never do it, you know? And then I was like, man, his name popped up in my mind for a reason. I'm just going to reach out to him. And I got his, and I was too embarrassed to call my NASCAR friends after his number because I didn't want to be like, hey, what's Dale's number? You know, I want to pitch him on my company. Like, yeah. I was just embarrassed. So I, I ended up getting his number from, oh, gosh, I said I, I would never say who it was. And I still won't, but he was, <laughs> we a chap- he was a NASCAR he was a NASCAR chaplain. I was like, "Hey, what's Dale's number?" And he's like, "You didn't get this from me," but he knew <laughs> I was I had good intentions, and and uh, and I got it. And I text Dale. And I was like, "Hey, it's Blake Cook. Hope you don't mind me reaching out, but I decided to start to put all my passion, energy, and and focus into starting this new business that has everything to do with marketing and branding and customer service." And you're the best at that, and I would love to pick your brain one day. Okay, so hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's stop here. Yeah. At this point in time, in your mind, what are the odds that he says yes? Uh, I wasn't worried because, like, if he said no, like, oh, well. Right, If he said yeah, it's a game changer. Absolutely. Absolutely. And all I was going to ask for him is to see if he would do, like, a Facebook post like one post because he has like 3 million Facebook followers. So all I really wanted to do is he'd help me out and, and like do a post, like check out, you know, Blake's new company or something like that. But anyways, when I called him and texted him that, it was a little early. It was a little premature. I didn't have a website. I didn't have anything to show him. And he's like, um, let's, let's chat Monday when you get back in town. And I, and I called him Monday. He didn't answer. I was like, oh, thank God. Because I really wasn't ready. <laughs> so then I waited a couple months till the website was ready, and I launched a business, and I reached back out, and he said, let's meet up ASAP. And um, his sister, Kelly, who's his business manager, said, Blake, are you available Monday for a 30-minute meeting with Dale and I? And I said, yes. And I went in there, not even really knowing what I was going to say. I was just praying that I'd say the right thing. <laughs> and... uh and I just told him about the business, how I thought of it, where I saw it going. And, and he was able to see my, my passion and commitment to it. And he said, you know, I'm not interested in, in a sponsorship, Blake, or, you know, or, or doing any posting or anything like that. Like, but I am interested in being an owner with you. Like, I want to go on this journey with you. Is this wow. something you consider? And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, I could have fell out of my chair, you know, like <laughs> – yeah, like you you'd be perfect. He's like, <laughs> "All right, let's do it." And uh and the rest is history, man. So now Dale and I, Dale and our junior and I are partners on on a business called Filter Time where we send home air filters to your house automatically when they need to be changed. So you never have to worry about air filters again and it's growing like crazy and we're having a blast and treating customers better than we treat ourselves, right? Treat people better than you treat yourself. And, and just taking care of people, and it's fun, it's awesome, and, and I love it. Well, I will say I was on your, your the Filter Time Twitter page today, and I was just scrolling through, and I saw somebody that said, uh, Filter Time has the greatest customer service ever. Founder, and he named you, called me himself today to resolve my issue. So you're talking about customer service, and people are noticing. 
Yeah, yeah, it's the most important thing, man, is how you treat people. And I sub a lot of different things out in my company. There's a lot of things I have people doing, but not customer service. I do the customer service. I respond to the emails if there's an issue. If somebody needs a call, I call them. I want to make sure they're taken care of, and I, and I love them all and appreciate them all, and I hope they can hear that in my voice when I call them. Um, the fact that they're giving me their business means a lot to me, and I want to be the one communicating. I don't know how long that can last, but I'm sure going to make it last as long as I can. That's awesome. And if any of our listeners are interested, they can get more information. Where, where can they go? Yeah, filtertime.com, just our website. And, and Dale and I are active on social media about it. And um, and we're just having a blast. It's really cool. Dale Dale raced the Filter Time car live on Fox Sports last Sunday and finished second. So Filter Time car was on live television with Dale Earnhardt Jr. driving it, and he finished second. It was that's super a, cool. Wow, that that's awesome. And what, what was this virtual race? What what was this? Yeah, the, yeah, the virtual race is at Homestead on a on a simulator called iRacing that all the NASCAR drivers have. And right now, there's no sports going on. There's no live sports. So this virtual race, where all these drivers have simulators in their in their house, they're all they've all come together, and Fox is airing it, and they're all racing each other. And I'll tell you what, the the race that they put on last Sunday was incredible. It had over a million viewers on on Fox Sports. Wow. It was rated one of the most exciting races so far. It was. It was incredible. It's so realistic. Oh my word! Now, is this something they're going to continue to do weekly? Yeah, they're doing it um, at Texas. The you know this coming weekend. I don't know when this podcast is airing, but this weekend is Texas, and then I'm not too sure um, how long they're going to go after that. Probably all the way until um, actual you know live stock car racing comes back into play, which we don't really know when that is right now. Yeah, wow, that, that's that's absolutely awesome. That's super cool, and congratulations for the business, and congratulations for. Um, you know, just kind of the transition, you know, and, and it seems like you're continuing to carry your faith through this company, you know, and just in the way that you're treating people, you, you know, and nowadays it's unfortunate that good customer service stands out so much to us. It's not the norm. You know what I mean? It's the exception. Yeah. And so that's a shame, but it also gives us an opportunity for people to be like, man, why, why are they going above and beyond? Well, you know, and then you get to kind of have a platform for pointing back to God. And so I think that's absolutely mm-hmm. awesome. And uh, now, listen, I just have to warn you. If you thought your meeting with Dale Earnhardt Jr. was pressure and intense, we're going to head into a segment called Eli Wants to Know. And I think this might get even hotter than that meeting. And so, uh, okay. <laughs> Blake, my son, my eight-year-old son Eli is on with us, and he is about to put he is about to put you in the hot stove. E, are you ready, buddy? Yeah. All right. Hi, Mister Blake. All right, take it easy on me, buddy. Okay. Have you ever got in a car accident? Have I ever gotten a car accident? Yes, I have. Um, I've been in many race car accidents and only a few accidents on the actual public roads, but I was never driving on those public roads, but I've been in plenty of race car accidents. Wow. So can you I actually caught on fire in a race car? Like my car burst into flames at Talladega. I hit somebody going 200 miles an hour, car burst into flames. I got out without any injuries, untouched, perfect condition. Wow. Wow. Can, yeah. can you kind of talk to, like, 
none of us will ever most likely get to experience what a car accident was. And I, my, my memory's foggy right now, but wasn't there at, at Daytona, wasn't there a really bad accident this year? Yeah, with Ryan Newman. Yes. Yeah, I mean, everybody, nobody was even sure he was going to be alive. Yes. It was very scary. So um, but, uh, what yeah. is that moment like? I mean, you say you were hit by a car that was going 200 miles an hour. Your car catches on fire. I mean, kind of take us through that. What? Yeah, just take us through that. Man, you know, it, when you're when you're a race car driver or any other, you know, an athlete or extreme sports, whatever, you get kind of numb to it. So the first thing that goes through your mind is like you move your body and make sure nothing's broken. And then you're like upset that you didn't finish the race, you know, like, and then you're just ready for the next race. That's kind of what goes into it, at least for me. Or if you get in a wreck, you're like, man, well, I'm good. Not hurt. That stinks. You know, I wrecked my car, didn't finish. Probably not going to make as much money as I would have if I didn't wreck, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that's kind of what goes through your mind. That's it. Not not that big of a deal. Now, while it's I'm sure happening, when you're in a more more severe wreck like Ryan Newman just was, it's a little different. Um, you know, I've never been in a really really serious injury where I had to get hauled off in an ambulance, so that's a little bit different. But I, I wouldn't know what that feels like. Are the safety features in the NAS- in the car itself just so good that it really prevents act like uh, it takes an an accident like the Ryan Newman accident for somebody to really get hurt? I mean, you I mean, to me, you know, if somebody on a road gets hit by a two hundred mile per hour car, uh, you're lucky to be alive. You know? Yeah, yeah. The car, their cars are built to crash. I mean the 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 steel's forgiving. The walls around the racetrack are forgiving. They're called safer barriers where they give. It's not like hitting a concrete wall. There's no glass windows. Your, your seatbelt, you're in a, you know, I don't even know how many point safety harness connecting all the way around your body with a neck device where you can't move your head forward with a carbon fiber seat that's wrapped halfway around your body. I mean, fire extinguishers pointing at you. All these safety features, um, NASCAR does a lot to make sure the drivers are safe. What's the fastest you've driven? I think the fastest I've ever gone is 213 miles an hour. Wow, I was in the the cup race at Charlotte during qualifying, and that felt very, very fast. Wow. So Eli and I yeah. were Eli and I were talking off air, and I said, "Man, you know, for people like yourself who are who you know are professional NASCAR racers, I wonder what it's like to be in a real car and be restricted to like thirty five, forty five miles an hour. Like, is that just is that painful for you, or are you are you able to just separate it? Or yeah, it's not painful or weird at all. It's it's totally different from when you have a helmet on and you're strapped in wearing a fireproof suit." You know, than it is when you're relaxing driving an everyday vehicle. Okay. It all kind of feels slow, right? So, like, (laughs) you think about for a NASCAR driver, like, what are you going to do? Like, go 90 on the highway and get a rush? No, like, that feels slow. You know? So, like, there's no, there's really no, like, you you know, like, oh, I want to see what this car's got because it's not going to be like what you experience on the weekend. Sure. It's not even a temptation. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, Eli, fantastic job. Blake, we appreciate you answering Eli's question. Uh, Great job, bud. I'm proud of you. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Eli. Thanks. 
So, Blake, now we're going to head into another segment. It's called Three and Out. Uh, we ask the th- same three questions to all of our podcast guests that come on. And it's just an opportunity for our listeners to kind of get to know a different – to get to know a different side of you. And so our first question is, what is the last book that you read? The last book um, – actually, I'm currently reading it still in um, – I, I, man, I forget the name. It's, some, it's a business book. It's for entrepreneurs. Um, or I'll give you the book that I just recently finished. It's called The Blueprint for Success. It's a business book uh, about entrepreneurs and startups and, and stuff like that. So The Blueprint for Success is a book I just read. Okay. Now the second question, if you're on a road trip, what are you listening to? I'm listening to a podcast. I'm a big fan of podcasts, and um, and I'll listen to some racing podcasts and some faith-based podcasts, or um, or with my family. My wife and I will listen to Christian radio. If I'm by myself, it's always podcasts. Okay, and for our listeners, what kind of po- uh, you said racing, but what kind of faith podcasts are you listening to? Um, I, you know what? I just go in into the search and and pick a random one. I I haven't, you know, um, I'm not. I don't go on too many road trips myself, so it hasn't been that often where I go and find one, but I'll just kind of search and pick one and listen to it. All right. But it's not something I'm consistent with. Okay. Um, can, yeah. Our last question. If they were to make a movie of your life, who would play you? Like play me or like my – like – okay, let's see. Who would play me? Yeah. That's a, That's so tough. That's a tough one. And I even I even knew this question was coming and I couldn't think of it. <laughs> so like what actor would play me? Yeah. Um I don't know. I don't know. I can't literally I want to say someone tough and like cool like Mark Wahlberg, but I don't think so. I think oh, he'd be good. That's a little... <laughs> I don't he wouldn't play me. It would be somebody that's just laid back. Um and kind of chill and and goes with the flow. Okay. I don't really know who that is. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. So this isn't one of our three questions, but is there a racing movie that's your favorite? Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder. Oh man, that's a classic. Yes, I love that movie. I still love it. Is, I haven't seen that still in years. That's a great. That's a great movie. Blake, listen, I, I, I genuinely appreciate you sharing your testimony with us. I appreciate you joining us today on the podcast and just kind of sharing how God has captured your heart. And, you know, it's I think it's always great for people to see uh, how other athletes are using the platform that God's given them to point back to him. And I think one of the things that I hope our listeners pull out of this, and I know what I pulled most out of it is just the importance of that daily getting into the word. And, you know, it's one of those things where you, you know, it, everyone listening to this knows that, Oh man, I should get, I should spend time with God every day. I should get in the word every day. Sometimes we need those reminders. You know, sometimes we need those reminders of man, here, here's the importance because, uh, like you said, it, you end, you're able to enter into the day with a different mindset when you've spent time with the Lord than on days where you're trying to do it by your own merits and your own strength instead of being able to surrender that day and everything that God has planned for that day to him. Yep. 
Absolutely. And that's where I want to take a time and plug my dad's book again. The yes, first please hour. do. Com please do. Actually gives those books away for free at thefirsthour.com. So it's all about the first hour, spending your first hour with God and helps you get in that daily routine and, and kind of a study guide for it. Awesome. Well, we thank you so much for sharing that, and we thank you for your time on the podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. Once again, Blake, thank you for sharing your incredible testimony. We're so thankful for you joining us today. Guys, if you enjoyed the podcast, please share it. I truly believe there's incredible power in our testimony and that they're not just for us, but to share with others to provide hope. Whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on, please share, rate, and review it. By doing so, this helps the testimonies get out in front of people and allows God allows God's glory to shine even more. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast. We look forward to seeing you next time. Have a blessed day. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seeing the rise in mindfulness meditation? but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary, to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app/breadbox.